Today is Tuesday, November 12, 2019. On this day in 2017, 59-year-old Randall Toshio Saito walked out of Hawaii State Hospital. He'd been committed there for three and a half decades after murdering a 29-year-old woman in a mall parking lot. Once hospital staff reported his absence to the authorities, a nationwide manhunt was launched. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today, we're covering murderer Randall Saito's escape from a Hawaii mental health institution. Let's go back to the morning of November 12, 2017, just after 9 a.m. The morning staff in the hospital were still trickling in for their shift. They were distracted by their paperwork and processes, so Randall simply waved good morning and kept walking. They were used to seeing him roaming the halls on his own. They knew he could be trusted to mind his own business, as long as he checked in at the end of the day. Once he made it outside, onto the grounds, Randall took a bucket hat out of his pocket and put it on, shading his face. He resisted the urge to break into a sprint. Instead, he calmly walked to Honolulu's Kaneohe Community Park, about a mile away. He retrieved a backpack from its hiding place and sat on a bench. Then he pulled out the iPhone tucked away in his pack and dialed a cab company. Randall could hardly focus on the woman's voice on the other end of the line, too distracted by his own pounding heartbeat. The taxi would be there in 10 minutes. When Randall climbed into the yellow taxi minivan, he told the driver his name was Bill. The driver put the car in gear and said, where are we headed? Randall asked him to drive to the airport he had a plane to catch. An hour later, he landed in Maui, but the island hop wouldn't be enough to secure his freedom. He had to make it to the mainland. Only then could he truly disappear. Randall had taken a private charter flight from Honolulu. It was expensive, $1,500, but it allowed him to avoid the TSA security checkpoint he wouldn't be so lucky with the next leg of the journey. He knew the hospital staff would report him missing eventually. Perhaps they already had, and his name and picture were on some kind of watch list, which was exactly why he'd ordered a fake driver's license off the internet. He just hoped it was a passable fake. Randall walked up to the Hawaiian Airlines ticket counter and talked to one of the agents behind the desk. He told her he needed to get back to the mainland as soon as possible, as cheaply as possible. The agent typed and clicked on her computer. There was a flight to San Jose leaving in 90 minutes. 300 bucks, and he could even have a window seat. Randall pulled out his wallet. He'd take it. At 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, Randall landed in California. He walked out of the San Jose airport with nothing but his backpack, which held one change of clothes, 
his iPhone, and a portable charger. Again, Randall kept his composure. He casually walked to the taxi line outside the terminal, waited his turn, then asked the cab driver to take him to Stockton, 75 miles away from San Jose. Once there, he checked into a hotel. In the room, Randall let the delicious ecstasy of freedom roll over him in waves. He laid down on one of the double beds, then the other, then back again. Randall hadn't slept on anything larger than a twin mattress in over 30 years. He spread his arms and legs, making snow angels in the comforters. He went into the bathroom, stripped naked, and took a long, hot shower. He didn't even wash himself with soap. He just let the streaming water pour over his body. He almost started to sing. Afterward, he perched on the bed and flipped between news channels, looking for any reports of his disappearance from Hawaii State Hospital. But he found none. Randall sat for several moments in a state of disbelief. He'd done it. He'd actually done it. After more than 36 years in the hospital, labeled an incurable, violent psychopath, Randall Saito was a free man. But it would only last so long. Coming up, the authorities catch up to Randall Saito. Now back to the story. On Sunday, November 12, 2017, 59-year-old Randall Toshio Saito walked out of Hawaii State Hospital, caught two different flights, and started a new life on the lam in Stockton, California. However, his freedom was short-lived. While the staff at the hospital were slow to report Randall's disappearance, they did eventually call the police about 11 hours after he'd walked out the front door. It gave him enough of a head start to reach California, but by the next day, a manhunt was underway. Three days after his escape, on Wednesday, November 15th, Randall took a cab from his hotel room in Stockton to a local Walmart. He'd purchased a new cell phone there the previous day, but realized it was defective and wanted to return it. After visiting the store, on the ride back to the hotel, the driver asked Randall if he'd mind stopping for gas along the way. While the cabbie filled up, Randall went inside to the convenience store. When he came back outside, he was greeted by several police officers. The taxi driver had recognized Randall from a news bulletin and called 911 while he was inside the Walmart. Randall was arrested and extradited back to Hawaii to face charges of escape and identity theft. But even after his capture, many questions remained unanswered. Randall Saito was clearly abetted in his escape. Someone had stashed a backpack in the park for him with a change of clothes, an iPhone, a portable charger, and over $6,000 in cash. He also had two false driver's licenses issued in Illinois and Washington State. Finally, his charter flight from Honolulu to Maui was pre-booked. Indeed, in the wake of the ordeal, 
seven hospital employees were suspended for a month without pay. In the course of their investigation, authorities learned that Randall was given special treatment at the facility for years. He was allowed to roam the grounds unattended on an honor system as long as he checked back in at the end of the day. He was escorted off-site multiple times to see his wife and engage in sexual trysts. Randall was also involved sexually with three different hospital staff members. He allegedly traded sexual favors for access to cell phones and pornography. Though the details of exactly how he managed to acquire a stack of cash, fake driver's licenses, and a charter plane flight have never been released, an official report on the matter determined the absence of comprehensive procedures to account for patients' whereabouts, the lack of communication between staff performing different functions, and the relaxing of patient oversight contributed not only to Saito's being able to escape from the facility, but to an 11-hour delay in reporting this escape. Randall was originally committed in 1981 for the murder of 29-year-old Sandra Yamashiro. He was sent to the hospital instead of prison after he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Randall had approached Sandra in a mall parking lot, shot her in the face with a pellet gun, then stabbed her to death. In the trial proceedings, he was determined to be pathologically violent, a sexual sadist, and a necrophiliac who, quote, fills all the criteria of a classic serial killer. Even though he had only killed one person so far, the doctors who evaluated him were certain he'd kill again if given the chance. However, after the 2017 escape attempt, Randall Saito claimed that he had intentionally exaggerated his mental health symptoms in 1981. He wanted to guarantee he'd be committed to a hospital instead of prison. He insisted that he wasn't a psychopath. At the time of Sandra Yamashiro's murder, Randall was a heavy user of LSD and PCP. He claimed that his excessive drug and alcohol use led him to murder, not mental illness. He advocated for his release several times during his three and a half decades of commitment, but was repeatedly denied. Therefore, he mounted his escape. He called it an act of desperation. Randall alleged the true reason he left the hospital was to prove he wasn't a danger to society. He said, this was about buying myself time in the community to prove that I could be in the community without doing anything wrong, establishing a track record that I could be out for a month and no one was hurt by me. However, both Randall's attorney and the state of Hawaii disagreed with his reasoning. A 2015 medical evaluation stated that assessments of Randall in the past have shown problems with lack of empathy, lack of remorse, and failure to accept responsibility. He continues to be superficial in his relationships with others and manipulative. That last statement certainly proved true two years later in 2017, when Randall convinced those around him to smuggle in the means for his breakout. He's currently imprisoned in Honolulu 
awaiting trial on his escape and identity theft charges. As of May of 2018, officials are still unsure of his accomplice's identity. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.